Welcome back to Pandemic Pass. My name is Casey Siddons, and I am your host, and this is episode six, The Takeaway. Uh, Actually, this is part two of The Takeaway for uh, grading, assessment, and equity. If you missed part one, uh, don't worry. Just make sure that you hit that subscribe button on the Ed's Not Dead podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, and you will check out the interview or you'll hear the interview that I had with Rick Wormley about grading assessment and equity. This is the second part of that piece. And uh, thank you so much for joining us on Pandemic Pass. Um, This is technically the third part. The first part was all about uh, mental health wellness with Phyllis Fagel. uh, and, And it's all about the takeaway. What do we take away and what should we take away from the current crisis that we find ourselves um, in, in this part, which is um, the next part of the takeaway, you are going to hear from Joe Feldman, whom, who we have had on the, on the regular Ed's Not Dead pod, who is the author of Grading for Equity, um, and he's the CEO of the Crescendo Ed Group out in California. And, and Joe is the guy you want to talk to when it comes to showing how, the, how current grading practices impact the current opportunity gaps that our students of color and our English language learners experience really every day and, and even more so exacerbated in this current uh, virtual learning environment. Joe is, is a really great interview. He's, he's such a, uh, he's, he's really a, a great guy and, and I truly enjoy talking to him. He's going to help us guide us through what he hopes to see in terms of teacher and school practices. Um, on grading and equitable outcomes, and, and it, I think it provides a nice bridge with our discussion with Rick Wormley about what our schools will look like or should look like upon return. Um, so, you know, in our discussion, we talk about the first, I open up with a question about the third rail of school improvement, which is what he calls it in terms of grading practices and how, you know, we, we can't touch that third rail, and the pandemic has forced us to to think about that and, and to reevaluate what we're doing and not only reevaluate, but almost mandate that we need to do something different. And uh, although it's a long time coming and it should have happened before the pandemic, uh, it's better late than never. Um, we talked about um, the, the, the large percentages of students with failing grades and how that's inequitable and, and provides uh, just a further gap in students uh, and their trust in schools. And then obviously we, we touch on the opportunity gaps that are just as wide as ever for our students of color and our English language learners and our students in poverty. And we talk about what schools should prioritize uh, once we get back to face, face-to-face instruction. If you haven't checked out his book, I highly recommend you pick it up. It's called Grading, uh, it's called Grading for Equity, and I'll put the link for that in the chat uh, for you as well. So thanks for joining us, and uh, I hope you enjoy this interview, and we'll catch you on the flip side. All right. Uh, I want to welcome Mr. Joe Feldman. Uh, Joe Feldman is the CEO of the Crescendo Ed Group, and uh, he's joined us today. Uh, he's, he's the author of Grading for Equity. If you do not have that book, I highly recommend you pick it up. Uh, Joe, thanks for joining us. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me. Um, in, in your book, Grading for Equity, uh, you note how grading practices are, are I'm going to use your quote, the third rail of school improvement. Uh, and during this pandemic and distance learning, teachers and schools have had to really dramatically 
rethink, reevaluate, and and touch this third rail. Like, for example, accepting late works, adhering to the 50% rule, ensuring teachers' gradebooks are similar, which we've discussed on Twitter. Uh, what do you predict will stick around once we are back in schools in terms of grading and assessment? Yeah, I mean, I, I think what I, I'm hoping this is revealing, this this drastic transition to remote learning is revealing how fundamentally flawed our inherited practices are. I mean, the idea that you would take off for late work and that you would use the zero to 100 scale, which is so mathematically unsound, um, has always disproportionately hurt students who have fewer resources and and a weaker safety net and, you know, whose, whose lives are just less predictable. Um, it's always hurt those folks. And now, because so many more students and families are um, affected by this pandemic in ways that weaken their, uh, their support nets and, and stretch their resources and add stress, we're just seeing how these practices are affecting huge numbers of students. And so I'm hoping that this awakens everybody to see that these practices that we've inherited and used over the last hundred years in grading have never worked for students. Um, And so I, I I hope that will stick with people and they'll see that there's really no value in continuing to use these practices, particularly if we're trying to make sure that every student has a, has the chance to be successful. Uh, We have school districts across the country right now that are reporting large percentages of their students with at least one failing grade which is obviously a travesty given that we're trying to get through a pandemic. What lessons do you think we can take back to our work once we get back to in-person learning? I think that we've gotten a a better understanding that students are all capable of meeting the standards that we set for them. There just might be interruptions to that that learning trajectory. And so I think uh, something like Um, not penalizing for late work is something that I'm hoping that we bring back with us, that we can say that if a student didn't complete something on time, it may have nothing to do with their work ethic or, um, you know, their commitment to the class or their relationship with me as a teacher. It may have, have everything to do with things outside their control. And, um, we wouldn't want to penalize students for things outside their control. And mm-hmm. so I think that's one um, very concrete example of something that we would want to bring back with us and say, even though we care whether students turn things on time and we, it, it may be a signal to us of help that students need or of things going on in their lives, we would never want to incorporate the time that they submit something and the time that they learn into the way that we describe what level of content understanding they have of the course. Yeah. So I think that's a real concrete one. And more broadly, we just want to be more aware that non-academic and, and other kinds of things outside students' control, we would never want to include in the grade. And I hope that that, that larger idea can be something that we apply in lots of ways. Yeah, yeah, no, well said. Um, I, and I think one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about is my next question. Prior to the pandemic, um, and you've spoke about this in your previous response. Uh, you know, the achievement gaps and opportunity gaps were as wide as they had ever been. And we're now seeing that gap widen, especially with our students of color, students in poverty, our English language learners. What do you believe school systems should prioritize with regard to these gaps once we get back to face to face? Well, I think we're going to need to really do some comprehensive assessing 
um, of students to really understand what kind of um, learning loss there has been and what kind of ways that students have really um, been much more static in what they've yeah. been learning. Um, and I, I, so I, I wouldn't want um, teachers to come in on the first day and feel like, okay, we're just doing what, what I've always done as we start this curriculum at this place with these yeah. students being where they usually are. I mean, what I'm hoping is that we can build in some time and opportunities for us as educators to assess students so that we can not only know where they are, but have sufficient time to then be responsive to the needs of students when they're coming in. Yeah. And we may need to think really creatively about how we can help students who have been disproportionately um, affected by this pandemic to get some additional supports and additional time um, so that they can really make up or begin to make up some of that lost time. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, I t totally agree. I mean, there's going to be a lot of repair work that has to be done, I think, uh, just in terms of students' mental wellness and teachers' mental wellness, you know? Absolutely. And, and the last thing we want to do is when students come back is to throw curriculum at them that they're unprepared for and then have them be even more discouraged. I mean, I, I can guarantee that students are going to come back to school feeling a lot less secure about their readiness for the yes. class being having gone, you know, for some students over a year without having been in physically in a classroom yeah. and sitting at a desk and like listening to the bells ring. I mean, that it's so <laughs> different. Um, they will just need a lot of help getting back into the swing of things. And we wouldn't want them to face, you know, the daunting task of having to, um, of, of, having them have to be absolutely at the grade level of where students have been in yeah. years past. Yeah. Well said. Um, and I, I, I would like to, uh, you know, as much as we talk a lot about the, 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 the bad things that have come our way with regard to the pandemic and the ways in which we've been challenged, I do want to end on a, a more positive note with you and with our guests on this show. What, what kind of silver linings have you personally experienced with teachers in schools since distance learning began? I think um, broadly is, as I said at the beginning, I mean, it's really um, exposed and helped us see much more clearly how traditional grading structures just don't work in the yeah. modern era, much less during a pandemic. I mean, the, the, the number of superintendents and um, school administrators and even teachers who have contacted me around this time about what do we do now about the D's <laughs> and F's. And it's so clear that, you know, grading for participation just doesn't make any sense to try and do this now. And, right. and maybe it never made sense to try and include that information in the grade. I mean, I, I think that it's a made people much more aware and B I think it's gotten people to, it sort of lifted them up out of the the river that we've all been swimming in for so long to take a look at it more critically and say like this may not actually be the right river um, <laughs> and we we may want to actually spend a lot more time um, refining and focusing on what is the content that we want students to learn and be able to do and kind of scrape off some of the fluff and some of the stuff that we've been doing for a long time that may actually not be so great anymore. And I think yeah. when we're all coming back into school, hopefully soon into, you know, real three-dimensional school, um, <laughs> that we can um, 
pay a much, take a much sharper lens to what are the essential things we want students to know and do? How do we evaluate them and give them feedback around their progress against those particular things? Not all the other things that we've been teaching. And we don't, and even though we want to give feedback on some aspects of their work habits and study skills and things like that, we don't want to include that in the grade because we just want our students and ourselves to be focused on the content areas of our of our courses and give students grades based on those things. Um, and the, the second thing I'll say is that I think it's, I I hope, I I I hope that it will instill in all of us a deeper sense of grace that we give our students and ourselves, frankly. And that, you know, if students don't get something right the first time, that we think about retakes and redos a little more flexibly than we have. And frankly, how the real world thinks about it. (laughs) Real world gives a lot of redos and retakes. And that we think about the socio-emotional part of students a little more deeply um, in the way that we interact with them and build relationships with them. Um, and I'm hoping that schools become more humane places for the grownups there as well as the students and their families. Yeah, and I, c- I can speak to this personally. I mean, the, the amount of grace, I, I'm working in a high school now, and um, they the amount of grace that teachers have, you know, switched in a lot of ways, and they're personally uh, reflecting on it, being like, you know, I never thought about this before, and this has forced me to think in a different way, and 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 the pandemic and and some ways has allowed us to stop and think about some of the practices that were in some ways harmful to kids. Um, so Joe, I, I, you know, as we move forward, you know, we're going to need your voice and, and voices like yours to kind of help repair and, and to emerge out of this pandemic, stronger school systems and, and stronger teachers and, and, um, and students ultimately. So I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate your time and how much I appreciate your, your voice on this particular subject. And, and uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you, Casey. I'm so glad that your show exists and provides a forum to have these kinds of conversations. So thank you. Well, we're going to have to have a lot more. So uh, we, we hope to get you on Ed's Not Dead again soon to, to start talking about the, the next steps. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you for joining us on Pandemic Pass. Pandemic Pass is an Ed's Not Dead media production and was written and directed by me, Casey Sittins. Music was written and performed by Peter Crable. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps others find us. Find out more on our website at edsnotdead.com. <laughs>